This is a crowd podcast. This is how Jim Morrison looks at the end. Pale face, double chin, hair unwashed, pushed back, weight where there were slim hips and tight muscle. Shapeless t-shirt, loose slacks, no more leather trousers, no more white shirt, unbuttoned low. Maybe this isn't the Jim Morrison you're thinking of, not the young rock god, the mystic poet, the beautiful drunk, the one they call the first major sex symbol since James Dean died and Marlon Brando got a paunch. Maybe you're thinking about the music, the big songs, the performance, the shock. The darkness, the madness, always just within reach. Maybe it's the stories, the acid trips in the desert, the blowjobs in the recording studio, the fights and the arrests and the scandal. There's one story Jim tells himself. He's a kid on the backseat of a car, driving with his family out in the wild nowhere of an empty America. There's been a crash Native Americans sit at the side of the road, covered in dust, in blood. An old man with long black hair is lying on his side, eyes open. Jim knows he's seeing death. And as he watches, he feels the soul of the dead man leap across and jump inside him. His past, his life, his future. You hear this story and you always ask yourself the same question. Is it true? Or is it a myth? Here's the thing with Jim Morrison. It's always somewhere in between. Those images of him in your mind? They're all Jim. And none of them are Jim. Truth and myth bent together. So there's going to be things you hear and don't like. Things that make you feel uncomfortable. Things that make you love him things that make you hate him. It's a wild ride with Jim Morrison. And if you get out alive, you're the lucky one. Where does he come from, Jim Morrison? Everywhere and nowhere. When your dad's in the military, you go anywhere he goes, across the country, state to state. A couple of years here, new friends, new school, and then you move on again. They don't smack him, his parents. They do a US Navy thing called dressing down. You shout and scream at someone until they beg you to stop, until they cry and tell you how wrong they've been. So he stays in his head, this chubby teenager. He reads about Native American shamans, gets obsessed with lizards and snakes and secret hidden places, listens to Elvis, listens to Frank Sinatra, Reads poetry, reads philosophy. William Blake, Arthur Rambo, Friedrich Nietzsche. Soon as he's old enough, he goes hitchhiking. Of course he does. You read Jack Kerouac's On the Road, it's where you want to be. School's in Florida this year, his father's ship's docking in San Diego. They offer him a plane ticket, and what does he say? I want to feel my way across America. So he goes and the stories begin. The time he's picked up by a one-eyed redneck fresh out of prison for murder. 
how he gets seduced by an older woman in New Orleans. How he gets a lift from the cousin of Vice President Lyndon Johnson. How much is real? There's truth. There's myth. There's a space in between. And Jim, there's something he says to a friend when they could play it safe. When they could stay somewhere warm rather than sleeping out. Catch a train, not stand in the dust and the rain on a lonely roadside. We gotta get to the fringe. That's what he says. We gotta get beyond the fringe. Jump it forward a few years. Here's a new image of Jim for you. He's dropped out of film school in LA, thinks it's too straight, too boring. He's living in an old house near Venice Beach on the dirty canals and rundown streets. Actually, that's not quite true. His mate's the caretaker, so he stashes his clothes in the basement and sleeps on the roof. Food? He nicks oranges and avocados from the gardens all around. He washes in the Pacific Ocean. He lets his hair grow long. And he scribbles in these notebooks. Poems and rants, pictures and ideas. Stuff he sees when he lies there in the dark and stares into houses nearby. At women in bathrooms. Women in bedrooms. Oh yeah, and he takes acid. Most days. This is the beat poet way. Feed your head, strip away all they made you, become who you really are. You take that much LSD, you hear things, and you see things. Things beyond the fringe, beyond the doors of perception. Visions and nightmares, sweet dreams and mystic patterns. Does it help your writing? Make sense to everyone else? Probably depends how much hash they're smoking, how much acid they're doing. If you're inside, you're inside. There's the straights, and there's you. He's down on the beach one day when the great change comes. There's a guy he remembers from film school. Ray. Blonde hair, glasses, piano player, pot smoker, into Eastern mystics. The same writers, the same poets. They talk. Try a few of Jim's poems as songs. Think about a band. There's someone else at Ray's meditation class, a drummer called John, into jazz, weird stuff, the fringes. So they play together, take acid and find a groove. LA's happening now. A scene's developing on the Sunset Strip, clubs and bars and gigs and girls. America? That's still the straits, and you're on the inside. Jim gets a letter from the army. They want to draft him to fight in Vietnam. What does he do? Stays up all night, taking speed so he looks wrecked. And then tells the army doctor he thinks he's gay. It works. And so does this band when they find a quiet, dreamy guitarist called Robbie. Robbie stands on stage like he's half asleep, like he's lost on weed. His hair sticks up like he's just out of bed. He plays the guitar flamenco style with his long fingernails, not a pick. Ray? He plays electric organ, a big Vox Continental, same sound as the animals on House of the Rising Sun. As Van Morrison and them, but louder, through bigger amps, a bass organ on top, because there's no bass player in this band. Their name? That's easy. They've all read Aldous Huxley. His experiments in psychedelic drugs, 
is book The Doors of Perception. Huxley takes the title from a 200-year-old William Blake poem. Even better, Jim loves William Blake, remember? The line, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to a man as it is. Infinite. So they have the name, the sound. They have songs. Some of them Jim's words and Ray's melodies. Some of them all Robbie. It's Robbie who writes Like My Fire. Ray who comes up with the organ part that makes it work. Jim who croons it like an acid Sinatra. The drummer John? He comes up with a strange jazzy backbeat to drive it along. It's his drumming and Ray's organ and Jim's angry lost voice that make another one work. Break on through to the other side. It's all making sense. Except when Jim isn't. There's the time he takes super strong white lightning acid and holds down a girl, freaking her out, opening the buttons on her blouse with a carving knife. The time he says he's going to Mexico to take peyote, dance in a holy trance, be a shaman. Instead, he ends up on the local golf course, wasted on acid. Goes to the desert outside LA, comes back all beaten up and black eyes. Have the rednecks got him? Stamped on the long hair? Did he fight a mountain lion, lose himself in the visions? No one knows. Truths and myths. The spaces in between. There's only one thing that's certain. When the doors are on stage, Jim is the star. Tight leather trousers, a low-slung belt, white shirt, curly hair to his shoulders. Ray's sitting down, bent over his keyboard. Robbie's in a daze on his guitar. John's hidden behind his drum kit. Jim is front and centre. The only place your eyes go. Lean. Dirty. Vulnerable. Sometimes he turns his back on you. Other times he's whirling the mic around, smashing the metal stand into the wooden stage. Jumping up, crouching down, lying flat on the ground like he's been shot. Like his mind has gone. Late in 1967, there's a photo shoot. A guy called Joel Brodsky takes a load of black and white pictures. Jim with his top off. Jim with pouting lips and tousled hair. The young rock god. The mystic poet. Doesn't matter that he never looks this good again. These are the images you know. The ones on records, on books, on posters. A myth made into a truth. The name, the sound... The look. And none of it makes him happy. Jim's drinking now, on stage, all night during the day. Turning up to gigs late, forgetting words, burping into the mic. Remember his dad? He's now the youngest admiral in the US Navy. It's like the 60s summed up in one dynamic. Son, a rock star. Father, wrapped in the flag. Someone gives the father a copy of The Doors' first album. The dad listens and then sends his son a letter. This is the killer line. Give up any idea of singing or any connection with a music group because of what I consider to be a complete lack of talent in this direction. Jim deals with it by telling reporters his family is dead, that he's an orphan. And in the studio, it all comes out, a track called The End. Some myths say he records the vocal track while a hooker gives him head. Others say it's his girlfriend in the booth. Others say, nah, it never happened. 
It's not what you remember anyway. The song's about death, about a killer. Jim shouts, Father, I want to kill you. The beat way, the acid manifesto. Kill all the things that aren't you, the stuff they've given you. Get to your own reality. The other line, Mother, I want to. Well, you know the Oedipus story. Uncomfortable yet? We'll be back after this short break. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Hello, it's Tom Fordyce here. I'm one of the writers on Death of a Rockstar, and I do hope you're enjoying the series. I wanted to tell you about BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses in life, big and small. A lot of the people I wrote about for this series absolutely did. And as we know, if we keep those stresses bottled up, it can impact us negatively. That's where therapy can be great. Therapy isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. It can help you understand the way your brain works and why you feel a particular way. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's all online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Rockstar listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. That's betterhelp.com slash rockstarpod. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay, now we've got to talk about the girlfriend. Pamela Coulson's always been a rebel. Drops out of high school early, moves to LA at 17. Dances in clubs, hangs out with musicians and dealers, with a young French aristocrat called Jean. We'll come back to him. She's the perfect 60s girl. Straight hips, long straight hair, her natural red. Into music and poets and the stuff that gets you there. With Pam and Jim, it's instant and it's explosive. Ray says they're the two sides of the same coin, the same person, one a woman, one a man. Maybe. They're also spark and fuse, bullet and trigger. They fight, always. They sleep around, for kicks, for drugs, for revenge. 
gems into anal sex. Pam, not so much. They scream at each other. She throws his clothes in the street. He locks her in the wardrobe and sets it on fire. She slaps him, he punches her, he drinks more, hits other women. And there's always others. Jim sleeps with groupies, with singers, with men and women. He sleeps with Nico from the Velvet Underground, with Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane, with Janis Joplin, until he slaps her and she smashes a bottle of whiskey over his head. He even has a pagan marriage to a music journalist. There's definitely children elsewhere, but it's always Pam he comes back to. Pam he writes poems for. Pam he tries heroin with. Because Pam likes heroin. It's the French count, Jean, who gets it for her. And it's the heroine that will get them all in the end. So Jim sings and drinks, writes songs, fights in bars, crashes cars. The poetry? Pam thinks it's genius. That he's Jack Kerouac, William Burroughs, William Blake. But Kerouac's dead, killed by drinking. Burroughs is lost to smack. Blake's been a ghost for a century or more. Jim's hard to recognize now. Big beard, bloated face, belly hanging out, hair dirty. He's still trying to shock, but the straight world's catching up. The doors are in Miami and the crowd are quiet. So Jim rants at them, goads them, screams, you wanna see my cock? Maybe he exposes himself. Maybe he doesn't. Doesn't really matter. They put him on trial for obscenity, give him six months in prison. He stays free on a $50,000 bond. All the wild minds, the rebels, the poets, they're lost. Brian Jones has drowned in his own swimming pool. Jimi Hendrix dies from a sleeping pill overdose. Janis Joplin is killed by heroin. So Jim runs from the band, from himself, to Marrakesh, to Casablanca, to Paris. And Pam is there with him because Pam always leaves, but she always comes back. She's been with the French Count, Jean. He's got one yellow eye, one green. He's also got a connection through Marseille. He can get you China White, the new strong heroine. He's with Marianne Faithful too. She says, he's only with me because I've been with Mick Jagger. With him, it's always drugs and sex. Jim drinks, fights with bouncers, sleeps on park benches and strangers' floors. Pam snorts China White. Jim does now, too. He walks one day from their flat just north of the river, near Bastille, up to the great cathedral at Sacré-Cœur. There's a green hill away to the east. It's a cemetery where the great artists are laid to rest. Chopin, Edith Piaf, Oscar Wilde. He takes a cab over there, walks around the tombs, enjoys the spookiness, the dark tranquility. He's not well now, Jim. He coughs all the time, brings up this stringy red muck from his lungs. The doctors tell him to stop drinking and smoking. But when you're snorting heroin, what's a beer and a fag? He still writes in his notebooks, Jim. Spiral-bound, lined, cardboard covers... 
carries them round in a plastic bag. God help me. That's what he writes on one page. On another, the poppy rules the world. The French Count has a new product, cotton candy. Fluffy pink smack from China, even stronger than the stuff before. Jim sits in the apartment, up on the fourth floor. The river to the south, the city spread around him. Writes other things in his notebook. I hope the Chinese junkies get you. He writes, fuck, shit, piss, cunt. He goes to a movie with Pam. He's shaking now, having coughing fits. Pale-faced, blue. At their apartment, she chops out lines of smack. He drinks whiskey from a bottle. And this is the end. Pam nods off around 3am. She's woken up by the sound of Jim choking on his own mucus, slaps him awake, takes him to the bath, fills it with cold water, helps him in. She passes out again. This time, it's vomiting that wakes her. Food and blood in his mouth, in his nose. Smack makes you sleep. Strips away everything but you and the high. So she sleeps again. And when she wakes up, the sun is coming up. The bathroom door is locked. She phones the French Count. He smashes a glass panel and opens the bathroom door. Jim Morrison lies pale and still. Blood dried under his nose, on his chin. The cold water dark pink. That's how the story goes. How the Count runs away and a doctor is called. How Pam lies by her dead boyfriend holding his hand, talking to him. How the body stays in the flat for another two days, in the middle of a French summer. Pam talking, stroking, crying. But this is Jim Morrison, so there are other stories. The guy who runs the local nightclub says he knows the truth. Jim bought smack from Pam in the club, went to the toilets to try it out, snorted some, overdosed, got carried back to his flat by two drug dealers, desperate to cover it all up. A mate of the Doors producer has another version. Jim came home drunk, found some white powder on the dresser, thought it was cocaine, didn't know it was cotton candy. Myths and truth the spaces in between. So here's what we do know. There is no autopsy. The coroner calls it a heart attack, brought on by blood clots. They don't test for drugs or booze or anything else. They dress Jim in someone else's suit, put him in the cheapest coffin and bury him in that same cemetery with Piaf and Chopin and Oscar Wilde. There's no gravestone. The Count? He dies of a heroin overdose in Tangier a few months later. Pam runs to LA, sells Jim's books and her jewellery to keep her in smack. She dies of an overdose three years later, 27 years old. The same age as Jim, as Brian Jones, as Jimi Hendrix, as Janis Joplin. There's one other person we need to talk about again. Jim's father, Rear Admiral George Morrison, to give him his full name. They never speak again, these two, after Jim leaves home. They don't write after that letter. 
But there's an interview the father gives 20 years after his son dies. When he's an old man, when he's looking back. He says he knows a few song titles, says he's never read the lyrics. Describes his boy as an entertainer, but does it in that Southern American way, pronounces it entertainer. He smiles all the time, but it's there in his eyes. Watery, pale blue. He says, I was a poor interpreter of his talent. He says, I was impressed by the fact that here is my son being interred, really quite honourably, into this great cemetery in Paris. It makes you realise how well-known and well-liked he was. He says, he was a good man. He says, he was someone you would like to know. And that's Jim Morrison at the end. Things you don't like. Things that make you feel uncomfortable. Things that make you love him. Things that make you hate him. But that's exactly what he wants. That's what he's trying to do. Truth and myth. Bent together. A wild ride. To the other side. This episode was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Emma Clark. It was edited by Crawford Blair. For research, we read a lot of books and listened to a lot of music, including Jim Morrison by Stephen Davis, No One Here Gets Out Alive by Danny Sugarman, Riders on the Storm by John Densmore, and Light My Fire by Ray Manzarek. The music we used is from our partners, BMG Production Music. But if you want some peak Jim Morrison, start with Break On Through. Then move on to Riders on the Storm for the mood and finish the only way you could with The End. Or if you want another podcast to listen to, try our other episodes about John Lennon or Prince. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The wrath of the buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. 
Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.